The Redneck Tech Podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Covers, the absolute best cover you could ever spend your money on. If you need an insurance policy for all the expensive gear on the back of your truck, then you need a Diamondback cover. Make the bed of your truck a vault with Diamondback. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want it? Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast, episode 89. I meant to tell this story. I don't think I've told the story yet on the intro song to this, which if you're watching on YouTube, you won't hear the intro music. But if you've ever listened to the podcast, you can hear the intro music and the intro like sound of um, someone saying, here he comes, or, you know, whatever. Uh, and then you hear the thwack mm-hmm. sound. So I actually recorded that voiceover. That's me, which I figured most people would know that. And then the thwack sound is actually from a deer that a friend of mine, Kyle Scott, shout out, and Michael Samples, shout out, buddies of mine from Kentucky. He shot this big velvet. I was eight or ten in Kentucky several years ago, back in one of the first web shows we ever produced. And uh, that thwack is the best thwack I've ever heard on a video. So obviously I pulled that one to build the gra- the intro for that. So. Pretty solid thwack. I meant to tell that story, and that's actually a real deer. That's like not like faked or anything. That's like from actual pulled audio from that. And then then the deer running off. It was right underneath him. It was like a nine yard shot or something. He squared him up right in the shoulder. Hmm. But I mean, he's that close. He killed him. But uh, I thought that'd be a cool little tidbit for people that listen to the intro and wonder where the sounds came from. I dubbed in my voice and then put in, um. Put in that thwack sound. I thought that would be. Is your is your voice that you dubbed in? Is that from a hunt? No. You just did that. Yeah, I just faked that. Oh, I was I gonna thought. leave that little tidbit out, but I guess we'll have to just be completely transparent. Well, there now. it is, folks. There it is. Yeah. No, I faked that. Um, my acting skills are amazing. It sounded pretty convincing. I figured it was from a hunt. Good. I well, hey, I fooled you, so that's good. So, um, episode eighty nine, uh, and on this one, we're gonna talk about. Uh, five skills that will make you a better content creator. And I think these skills are going to be or, or I, our idea of what skills to improve content creation are going to be a little bit different than what most people think, I think, wouldn't you say? I mean, these are going to be a little off the wall. I would Not off the wall, but I guess maybe what you wouldn't expect. I mean, it's not your standard take good pictures. Yeah. Sort of advice. Yeah, it's, so I'm trying to dig, dig more, baseline, yeah. like dig really deep on some like things. Like utility advice. You, you, utility advice, that's a good way of putting it. So the idea that I had was, because um, you think about think about what we do for a living, or think about, I guess this is a good question, like we asked the Blue Step guys. Like, if you tell someone that you're a waterfowl guide, what do they think? And they don't know. And uh, we know what a waterfowl guide is to an extent. Mm-hmm. We're not waterfowl guides. Then you tell somebody that you're a, a outdoor television producer or a content creator, and what do they think that is? They think you go out and you take pictures, you bring them back, you put them in a computer program, you play with them a little bit, and you create content. That's what, I mean, I would say that would be the majority of people's guess. Well, it's hard really even to define, like, what your job title is. Mm-hmm. Like if people, a lot of times people ask me what I do for a living 
and on my business card it says field producer or producer slash editor. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean anything to most people. Yeah. What does that mean? So you got to, you know, you'd be like, oh, you know, I film hunts for a living. That's mm-hmm. mostly what I say. Because that's the easiest, that's the easiest thing to tell people because then they get it. Oh, he films hunts, but there's like yeah, but, so many other things oh, yeah. that you do. Well, and that's kind of what I'm getting at with this is like when you, when someone tells me they're an accountant, I think of somebody that sits in an Excel spreadsheet and feeds in numbers and <laughs> tries not to hang themselves at night <laughs> because that's what I would want to do if I was a, if I was an accountant, but, um, you know, no offense to accountants. That's just not my cup of tea. But, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to, I think about what we do day to day and think about how much time you spend actually doing quote unquote your job, like down the middle, looking at footage that you shot, cutting it up and editing it versus all the other little tidbit things that we're going to talk about. You know, I would say, yeah, you should probably spend the majority of your day doing quote unquote your job, but there's so many other things that facilitate you mm-hmm. in doing that job and doing it better. Um, and so I kind of went through and I just kind of thought about it. Um, is I, we got a really good response from the five, five reasons your videos suck in field edition, and editing edition. And I think that really hit home with some guys. So what I wanted to do on this one is I wanted to kind of simplify it down even more because um, I think there's some things some really basic things that you can do or learn or get a really good skill set in that are going to help you. They're going to improve your workflow. They're going to improve your time on how long it takes you to edit something or to shoot something or to, you know, get out a finished product. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you look over these five? Did you think of a different one or different ones? No, I think. Those are all, that's a good five. Why that is a he, solid. Yeah, but why did my numbers mess up? Do you see the numbers? It goes one to three. One, two, my three, four, five. Oh, no, that's not right. All right, well, I, I know what I did, but anyway, I messed it up. Um. Yeah, I think that's a solid list. Yeah, so the first thing, and this might sound simple to somebody out there, um, and most of you, I think, are um, good at this, but you would be amazed how many people aren't computer people. And essentially the first one is know your way around the computer. And that doesn't have to be a Mac. It doesn't have to be a PC. It can be whatever computer you're using or whatever, you know, um, hardware, software, you know, that you, that you prefer, like we're Mac people. Um, and if you're not a computer person, you want to learn, I, I would suggest getting a Mac cause they're way simpler to use. Um, and they're more reliable and they last longer and all the things, um, you know, no offense, PC people, but PCs suck. Also a little prettier. Um, yeah, they are. They're a little more rugged, too. I mean, they're in an aluminum case. If you yeah. chunk that thing, it's going to dent the aluminum, but it probably going to... I mean, I've dropped mine several times. So um, it's 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 an investment of the expensive, yes, but they'll last twice as long. That's why they're mm-hmm. twice as expensive. So, um, it's you know, if you buy a PC, it's cheaper, yeah, but if you have to buy a computer every three years versus every six years, you know, it's kind of cost-benefit thing. But that's the first thing is... Know your way around a computer. And what do I mean by know your way around a computer? I mean, that can be a bunch of different things, but if you understand, it's kind of like being com- comfortable with your camera. Mm-hmm. Like if you know the functions of your camera, if you know what every button does, what the menus are, if you know on your computer, you know, your system preferences, your um, how to install a new program, how to move files around, how to 
you know, do all the basic function. I got some things written down here, how to grant permissions, how to do backups, how to reformat, how to troubleshoot, how to clear cache files out of a program, um, how to set up an external hard drive, how to create a new folder. You, you know, what we would consider absolute very basic functions of a computer, if you have a great knowledge of those, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a call or an email or something back in the day from somebody who called me and said, hey, I need to, I've got this file, you know, or can, or I'd get a hold of somebody and say, hey, can you send me this file? And they don't know how. They don't know how to go to a, like a wetransfer.com, upload it, send me a link. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to set up a Google Drive and share something to where it's in a, the permissions are set up in a way that I don't have to have a password or something to make it simple for the end user. Like there's, there's certain things that having that basic knowledge of how to do it is going to make life so much easier for you and the people that you work with. I mean, think about, think about how much me and you transfer files back and forth and convert things and move things. Like if, if I had to hold your hand on how to use your computer all the time, we, we would never get anything done. Yeah, that'd be a pain. Yeah, but and and I think a lot of people most of the time now are computer savvy enough, but I think about some of my friends, like my brother, perfect example. Josh, if you're listening, I love you. Not a computer person. He would be lost as a goon if I told him, hey, go on my computer, go into this drive, copy and paste this fo- this folder this folder into on my desktop. He would know how to do that. He'd have no idea. But if I called you... I, all I'd have to do is say, hey, go to this drive. I need that folder. And you would get it to me mm-hmm. in 57 different ways, but you would get it to me in the most effective way. That is not the case for a lot of people, and we take that for granted. But I think that if something, if you understand the basic functions of a computer, how to do the basic things, it's going to make you that much more efficient, that much better. And I think additionally, if you're, I mean, if you're just doing it for yourself, it's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it uh, for other brands, or collaborating with other people. I think it's important also to broaden uh, your knowledge and understanding of different systems and different programs because not everybody has the same systems, not everybody has the same programs, and some people don't know how to use those systems and, and programs. So you may have to teach somebody how to use a program that you're using to give them pictures or to send them pictures or you may have to walk them through how to download something or yeah. they may want you like we use smug mug for all of our pictures, mm-hmm. but some people like Dropbox. So God, we have to know both of those. A, okay, programs. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad that you said the word Dropbox for any of you listening. If you ever plan to work with us, don't use Dropbox. I hate it with every fiber that is in me. I hate Dropbox. Dropbox is the only file sharing software or, or, or cloud-based software that sometimes, and it doesn't do it all the time, is what doesn't make sense. When somebody wants to send me a file with Dropbox, over half the time it requires me as the end user receiving the file. And this is a tangent, and I apologize. <laughs> I just hate Dropbox so much. Say you send me a file. You send me a two-gigabyte video file. I need to download said file on my end. You're in Colorado, and you send this to me, and I need to download it. Dropbox is the only one that I've found that sometimes it'll let me just go download it, and nothing, nothing's the wiser. It'll let me download it, and everything's fine. Most of the time, though, it wants me to add that to my Dropbox. 
And then when I add it to my Dropbox, the only way I can download it is if I have paid enough money to Dropbox to have that much storage. So I have to pay to download your file that you're sending me. That I already paid. That you've already paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's bullcrap. If you have Google Drive and you paid for your Google Drive, you can upload whatever file size you want to your Google Drive, and I can download it as an end user mm-hmm. for nothing. WeTransfer gives you a free 2 gigabit, gigabyte transfer. You can upload it from WeTransfer. I don't have to have tra- WeTransfer on my end. I can just download it off the email. I don't even have to have WeTransfer yeah, to send it. You don't have to have WeTransfer to send it. You yeah. just use their website. Dropbox is the devil, and I hate it, and I want it to die. So for and, and their file structuring and their file organization process makes no sense whatsoever. It is the most convoluted backwards sharing organ. It, it makes no sense. It's god awful, and I hate it. So if you ever send me a file, don't use Dropbox because I hate Dropbox. I bet everybody at Dropbox uh, drinks unsweet tea. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they drink unsweet tea and they don't go to church. I guarantee you that. So, all right, the number. The, no, the moral of this story <laughs> is know how to use the different yes the different programs. Be versed enough in your computer and your workflow um, on the end user side of things, so that if you need to walk somebody through how to do something, that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was he? I had one. Oh, make sure that you know how to organize things on your computer. Yeah. You create new folders, subfolders, labeling things, have a good system. Where to put things. Yeah. So Ryder's better at that than me. Um, I'm pretty good at it. I know my system, but it would be hard for somebody to come into my system and find things. If I wasn't there, Ryder can pretty much guide you through however anybody could jump on yours and find something. But uh, I'm not quite that good. Another kind of tangent to this number one, which I didn't figure we talked this much about it, but another good thing to learn, especially if you're trying to help people through things or you're trying to work with somebody remotely, is understand how to use a remote client. And if you don't know what a remote client is, I was in IT for two years. So I've, you know, I'm, I'm more savvy with computers than a normal person. Um, a remote client is something like a team viewer or a uh, AnyDesk or... Um, Zendesk has one. Google Chrome extension has one. There's a bunch of different ones. Um, I like TeamViewer. I like AnyDesk, and I like the Google Chrome extension. I use all three of those. Um, Google Chrome requires the other end user to use Google Chrome as well, which Mm -hmm. if you're not using Google Chrome, you should. Uh, Another little tidbit. Don't use Safari. It's one of the few Apple programs I'm not a fan of. Anyway. I have um, text messages. Whenever, the one thing I don't like is you can't set uh, you can't set Chrome to be your default web browser inside of iMessage for unless... Inside iMessage? What are you searching yeah. out of iMessage? No, so like you send me a link to my messages. Oh, and I open it opens it, it, it opens in Safari. Oh, I And never there's know. no way that I've been able to figure out how to change it. And so occasionally... You, did you not delete Safari off your phone? It won't let you, I don't think. Oh, well. I didn't even, I've never noticed that part of it. Yeah, any and I mean, anytime I, I have to open a link on my... Well, you sent okay. me a link earlier. Oh, it was a YouTube link. Let me see what it sent. Let me see. Well, what that'll open up. in a YouTube app because you have that. Oh, well, I'm trying to think of somebody else who sent me a link recently that I could open. Dudley did. Let me see what he sent me. Anyways, every once in a while, I end up in Safari, and it's really confusing, and I don't. It's not a very intuitive web yeah, browser. It opened in. It opened in uh, Safari. Yeah, it's not a very intuitive web browser. Yeah, I hate it. Anyway, um, 
But learn a remote client is essentially what you use if, say, you were in Colorado again and you didn't know how to do something and you had internet access. You could sign into this remote client or I could send you an invitation and I can take control of your computer and show you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're super easy to use, super intuitive. Uh, if you've never used one, get on there. There's several free options and there's some paid options that are really nice too. It does require a decently robust internet connection, um, but they're they're super super nice to use. Um, okay, getting back. Get, so now that we went on 14 tangents, um, the the second thing that I think will really help you um, improve your workflow and everything is understanding different files, codecs, and extensions. And what do I mean by that? On a daily basis, how many different file extensions? And codecs and things that we use. All of them. All, yeah, it feels like all of them. <laughs> a lot. There's a bunch of them. I mean, there's there's MP4, you know, M4V, dot MOV, dot XQD, dot CR2, CR2, dot JPEG, dot PNG, dot MP, you know, there's, God, there's a million of them. AVCHD. AV, yeah, so there's HVAC. There's tons of different file extensions and things that you're going to run into when you're working with pictures and video. All of them mean certain things. All of them do certain things. They all have certain values. Um, some work better for this than that. And it's really knowing and understanding what file extensions are, what they do, and what they're used for. Um, when you're talking about pictures, you're generally going to be talking about uh, a raw picture is going to be either a .cr2, a dot ARW for Nikon and a dot. What's the Sony one? Is it ARW? I thought Sony was ARW. Okay, Sony might be. What's Nikon? Dot DWG. I think it's DWG. Yeah. I've never shot. So those are the three file extensions for RAW is Canon Pictures and a RAW Canon Picture is going to be a dot CR2 file. A Sony is going to be a dot DWG. And I'm 90% sure a Nikon is a dot ARW. Or did I just get to those backwards? Ryers on the Google machine. Um, but anyway, those are the three. Nikon's raw format, NEF. Any, oh, yeah, NEF. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then what's ARW? Who's ARW? I thought ARW was Sony. Then what's DNG? Something's DNG. Isn't DNG a video? <clears throat> See, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's too many file extensions. But if you're talking about the Sony RAW drivers, use to display raw data, ARW, SR2, SRF files. Mm-hmm. So what is dot DNG? Uh, DNG stands for digital negative. What is a DNG file? Is most likely an Adobe Digital Negative Raw image. Okay, maybe. So I, I bet th- I bet Adobe that's an, probably you can export you can export it as a DNG. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So that's that's one we don't work with a ton. But what me and Ryer focus on the most is a .cr2 on Canon. And what we'll do is we'll import those .cr2s into Lightroom. We'll color them, edit them up, and then we'll export them in a variety of different ways. We can export them as PNGs. We can export them as JPEGs, which are probably your two most um, common. And then um, th- that's what you're talking about, you know, picture files for the most part. And then you can get into video, um, you know, uh, .mxf is what we work with a lot, which is what our uh, FS7 shoot on. And they come in this crazy packaged file structure. The camera that we're shooting on right now is shooting an uh, mxf file. 
And what we'll do is you can only view that either in Premiere or with a certain viewer, which is like Content Browser or uh, Sony used to have one called uh, Catalyst Browse. Catalyst Browse. That's the one that you have Yeah, to use. Content Browser or Catalyst Browse. Um, or you can put it in Premiere and Premiere will read it natively. Premiere, you know, reads virtually everything natively. Um, there's a couple things that it doesn't, but I've not ran into too many of them. But understanding what those files are, how to view them, how to manipulate them, what they work best for. So, for example, which I might be getting ahead of myself, but PNG is usually the kind of file that you want in a logo when you're placing that in video. That's usually the one that works the best. Those are also going to be the most transparent. Most of the time they're going to be transparent if they're done correctly by a graphic designer. Yeah, JPEGs don't have an alpha layer, right? Yeah, most. Of the, yeah, I don't think you can make a JPEG have an alpha layer. So, and that, and if this is going over your head, get on your Google machine and it'll tell you what, everything we're talking about. But um, there there's certain things that if you understand what these file extensions do and how they work with one another, it's going to make your life way way easier. And that takes some time, and that takes working with a bunch of different file types. Um, it's <laughs> the line in uh, Eastbound and Down. Have you ever seen Eastbound and Down? No. <laughs> it's the it's the picture for Eastbound Down, and now that I can't remember, why can't I not remember his name? And I'm gonna get crucified for this for people that watch Eastbound Down. But anyway, the main character, he's playing for a Mexican baseball team, and he, there's a banner behind the dugout or behind the yeah behind the dugout. He's like, he's like, what the heck is that? They Kenny the, Powers. Kenny Powers. Yeah, he's oh, like, I've seen Kenny Powers. I don't. I didn't know yeah, what see, he did. Eastbound and Down. He's okay. the main character. On Eastbound and Down. Oh, dude, you need to watch Eastbound and Down. You'll love it. Anyway, he's like, yeah. He said, what's that BS crap up there? They used a stupid JPEG when they could have used it. <laughs> and he's like rattling off file types. And it's like this, you'd have to understand what those meant for the joke to be funny, but I thought it was hilarious. But it's it's those type things. If you understand what the difference in files are, what they do, how they work together. But there's tons of them. Um, and what they don't work for. And what they don't work for, yeah. Because that's probably the biggest thing. Like if you're taking pictures and you're taking all raws and somebody like you literally have the camera in hand and somebody's like, Hey, can you send me that picture Mm -hmm. that you just took? You can't, you can't send it to them because they want it on their phone and Mm -hmm. the phone's not going to view or show them that dot CR two. So you have to go in and convert that CR two into a JPEG and then you can send it to a phone. And that goes back to understanding how to convert it by using your computer to convert that. Right. What, What program that is, how we convert it, you know, and there's a thousand ways to convert it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that the, the all these things tie back into each other. Um, the third thing is having a basic knowledge of graphic design. And what I mean by graphic design is not necessarily, like, how to make logos or whatever, but is essentially, like, I know I've had this happen no less than 200 times. How many times have you been sent a logo from a company or gotten the logo off YouTube for a company, or not YouTube, off Google for a company that you need to insert into a video because you can't get get a hold of their marketing person because they're like catching the Easter bunny. And it's a JPEG, mm-hmm. and it's got white in the background or black in the background. And you mm-hmm. go to put that on your video, and it's got a big white background or big black background. How many times does that happen? It happens more times than I get one with a transparent background. Absolutely. These marketing people, like, I don't understand what they do because I know they don't just have a JPEG. And and if they only have a JPEG, why do they just have who, a JPEG? Who do they pay for that? Who did they pay for that? <laughs> and who, where are they? Because I need to find them. If you design logos for people, 
Always. And you always and, and if you only always, send them a JPEG, you need to be kicked in the teeth. Always make a PNG. Actually, yeah. always send the Illustrator file that yes, you made it in. Send the That's Illustrator the best file. one. So we're talking in language that means that we have a basic understanding of graphic design. Because if we're sent a JPEG, we know how to go in, open that image or open that file through Photoshop. We know how to remove that background to where when we put that image in our video, it doesn't look like some kid in Redneckville put it on there. It actually looks professional. It doesn't. It has a transparent background. It's how the image and how the logo was meant to be seen. Um, and that is not hard to do. Trust me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. But having these basic this basic knowledge of how to take a file that's not what you want it, that's not how you need it, and making it what you need is super important. It and that is mm-hmm. one that is one simple thing that will up your production value. And I can't tell you how many times on Outdoor Channel and Sportsman Channel and Pursuit Channel, national televised hunting shows, where they have a logo with a freaking solid background in in a show. It's mind-boggling to me. It's like that would have taken 30 seconds to fix, but they didn't fix it because you know what? They don't know how. And what does that tell me as a viewer, especially me as a producer, that show is bullcrap because they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to make a show look right. And if you're somebody out there that doesn't know how to do this, YouTube is your friend. It is extremely easy. Go in, find it, right-click, convert to smart object, <laughs> right-click, rasterize layer, Get your magic wand, select the background, delete, you're done. File, export, PNG, name it, you're done. Literally, it's five steps. So it's one of those things to where doing those simple things... Why doesn't Premiere have that integrated into it? And it might. There's got to be. But I don't know how to do it. I don't think it does. But they should. Yeah. Because that's something that you have to do all the time. Mm -hmm. All the time. I figured that'd be an easy master. But this is another question. Do you think you've had to do it more? And I can answer this. Do you think, and it might not be a good question to ask you because you've not had to do it as much as me, but do you think you have to do it more because you had to rip the, the you had to rip the logo off the internet because the marketing person wouldn't get back to you or the marketing person sent you a JPEG? I would say I've had to pull them off the internet myself more than I've ever been sent. Because... Nobody does their job, apparently. So I don't think people know where and, to find but them. Guess what? Because I think what happened <clears throat> I think this is what happens. So that you get sent all these files and they go through all the files and they find the one file that they need for their brochure or for whatever the project is that they're working on they need that logo for. And they take that one logo, they use it, they put it somewhere on there. They probably just download it. They probably just download it to their computer and then they put it on the thing. That probably took them four hours. Yeah. And then they export the thing, send it to Kinko's or Home Depot. <laughs> Not Home Depot, Office Depot. Home Depot. Maybe Home Depot. I don't really know what kind of project they're involved in. Yeah. Uh, get whatever made, made, or they send it to their web guy or whatever and then... They're none the it disappears, and so if somebody's like, "Hey, where uh, where are those logos?" They're like, "Well, we got that 
Yeah, uh, we, we have it. One. We have it in this brochure. Uh, I can send you the PDF to the brochure, and the logo is like literally yeah. this big. It's but the, but like the thing a is, of your yeah, screen. and that's another thing is like knowing the size of the logo and what si- which size you actually need for it to be not pixelated when you blow it up. But that's the thing is like, I'll go and rip a logo because I can't get anybody on the phone or anybody to get me the logo. I'll put it in the file or in the video because the video's past due of being done. Guess when I do get a call when it airs and it's the wrong logo. Hey, that's last year's logo. Hey, dude, been trying to get a hold of you for six weeks to get the new logo. Guess what? You're getting the old logo because you didn't send me the new logo because you are terrible at your job. So explain that to your boss. When he calls and says, hey, why is the old logo in there? Oh, it's because I didn't send the guy an email that had the new logo. Can't tell you how many times that's been. That happened with Lee and Tiffany all the time. Chance would literally be on the phone six, eight, Ten weeks out from the show's airing, hey guys, this is you know the production company for Lee and Tiffany. We need all the new logos because I mean they'd have like forty five logos in their mm-hmm. in their graphics package. Like hey, you know we're trying to get the new logos. I'll guarantee you he would not have thirty percent of the logos when we went to air, and he would have to put in what he had. As soon as the show aired, I mean it's not an hour after the show airs. Bring bring, that's the wrong logo for blah 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 blah. He's like, hey, here's the email I sent to you eight weeks ago where you didn't send it to me. Sorry, you're going to pay to have it fixed. And they would pay to have it fixed because they're stupid. Can't tell you how many times it happened. Chance wanted to strangle people on a daily basis because that, just because they cannot send a logo. How hard is it to send a logo? Marketing people, I swear to God. Um, you need to have basic knowledge of getting a room of background, making a logo smaller or larger, um, changing colors, adding text, cutting things out. Um these are all a couple of essential things that are going to just make your life way, way, way easier when you get into the edits and you get into that kind of stuff. Um, these are mostly, this is mostly a Photoshop. Knowledge. Mostly. Yeah. Yeah. This is mostly maybe a, a basic little, maybe knowledge. a little illustrator, a little bit. Um, I, there's, well, there's a free version of a, um, what is the free one called? Canva. No, no. A lot of people use Canva for marketing and social Canva? stuff. Yeah. Never heard of it. There's it's, another one called uh, what is that other program? It's it's like a like Photoshop. The open source Photoshop. Yeah, it's like an open source Photoshop, and I can't remember what it's called. But it's free. I do know that. Is it GIMP? I think it's yeah, called GIMP. I think it's called GIMP. Yeah, yeah, it is. So GIMP is an open source Photoshop that will probably do the same thing. Don't know how mm-hmm. to use it. You'll have to do your own research. But it's probably pretty similar. I would say it's pretty similar. Um, all right. So the next thing. Number four is knowing how to use light. And I, when I say light, I mean natural light. Um, I don't mean that everybody out there should know how to set up a three-point light kit to shoot interviews. But I think you should have a basic understanding of how light works, how light helps you, how it hurts you, when's a good time to shoot, when's a bad time to shoot. And that takes a lot of practice and knowing what camera you're running. Um, some cameras do better in harsh light than others. Very few do really, really good. Um, the, the basic rule of thumb is avoid filming in the middle of the day when it's a bright, sunny, sunshiny day. When you get those super harsh shadows with the sun directly above you, it's not going to look good for pictures. It's not going to look good for video. The only way that you shoot in the middle of the day to make video look good, you can shoot in the middle of the day all you want. Just the video is going to look like crap. The only way to shoot video in the middle of the day to make it look good is two, two ways. You need an overcast day with lots of clouds that even out your light. Or you need to be shooting under complete shadows, which is 
either inside or under some big barn or something that's going to even out your light. Um, buying a bounce is going to make your life so much easier with this. Um, it's super simple to use one. Sometimes it takes a second person or you can you know buy a little stand to hold it and clip it on there. But just using a bounce to get shadows out from under people's eyes and um, or keep really harsh light off of them, taking all the stuff off of them and using it as a diffuser to diffuse that light coming through it. Uh, that's going to make life so much easier. So, um, and, and the more you shoot, the more you get out and try and video things and you see how harsh light is, especially when you're hunting and you're sitting in shadows and you're filming into bright sunshine. And then you go from filming your animal in bright sunshine to your hunter in the shadows and you see the difference that it makes inside of your camera mm-hmm. because your eyes are going to automatically adjust. Your eyes are virtually perfect. They'll go from that bright sun sunshine to that shadow and be beautiful. Your camera is not like your eye. It won't do that. I mean, your eye is an auto everything. It'll auto iris. It'll auto everything. And the camera won't do that. You'll go from being exposed to that bright, sunny, sunshine turkey decoy out there, come back to your hunter and sitting in the shadows, and he's no longer there. You know, he's super, super dark. Well, mm-hmm. you can't figure out why. It's because you were exposed for there. You've got And you've got to figure out what, what your camera's limitations are. Um but that takes a lot of practice. Um, what are your thoughts on the light thing? Is that something that was hard for you in the beginning to understand what good light, what bad light was? Uh, I feel like it was something for me, like a light bulb click one day, and he's like, "That's good light. That's bad light." Yeah, I don't, I don't really remember that. <laughs> like, I don't remember if I had a hard time with that or if I didn't. I mean, uh, I think that at a certain point, I started to. Uh, try to move things around and optimize the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, you start doing that a little bit more. And that, a lot of times, that comes from your shooting and you shoot something and then you get it back on the computer. And when you're editing it, you look at that and you go, oh man, that freaking looks real bad. Or you can look at the clip side by side and like, dang, that clip looks really good. Mm-hmm. And I shot that one the same time as this one, but you realize... Well, it was nice and cloudy when I shot this one. Then the sun came out here, and that one looks like butt. Yeah. Well, that's why. Yeah. I, uh, I would say I think with the light, too, it's just a matter of if you can take pictures with good lighting, then you're going to make better video. You're going to make better photos, Yeah, I would, even if it's just with your phone. Wouldn't you say, you though, know? wouldn't you say, though, if you were to bust it for the first hour and the last hour, you'd be better off? Busting at the first hour and the last hour, then taking your time and filming in the middle of the day to make something look good? Well, I mean, how much time are we taking? Uh, well, I what mean, are we filming? If you, had, if you had one morning and one evening to shoot something oh. versus the middle of the whole day to shoot something, what would you pick? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd probably pick the morning and the evening. Yeah. Because um, you can... The, the light's much better. Oh, yeah. It just okay. looks nicer. The golden it's, hour, the first hour and the last better. hour, man, that's when you got to be shooting. Anytime we shoot interviews, that's when we try and shoot interviews. Anytime we're shooting anything scenic-y or landscape-y or drone, drones, you know, look better at those times too. So everything looks better then. I think it's especially for what we do. Mm-hmm. I think that obviously for a well, different – that's the time we associate for, to. For a different project, you know, then shooting at those times wouldn't make sense. You know, yeah. Like if you were shooting, uh, if you were maybe shooting some sort of narrative sequence, and it 
takes place at lunchtime when you can't shoot it in golden hour because it yeah. wouldn't make sense. Yeah. But for hunting and outdoor stuff, that's when everything usually happens. Yeah. You know, that's your that's your hours of major activity. And that's when landscapes look best. That's when uh, the sky looks best. That's when all your lighting is going to be perfect for your running gun setup. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're trying to make an outdoors thing look good, then definitely that golden hour in the morning and the golden hour in the evening is going to be the best times to shoot. Yep. Um, but, I mean, even something as simple as, you know, like if you're doing a, an interview and uh, y- you want to make sure that your subject is lit the same way that your background is lit. So if your background is really bright because it's the mountains, you're not going to sit your subject in the shade and do that interview because mm-hmm. you'll never get both of those yeah, things never match. matched up uh, exposure-wise. Unless you carried a whole light crew with you that you're going to light the whole scene. Right. Or, you know, if you're taking pictures of somebody uh, and the sun is behind them, you know, you turn them around 180 degrees so that the sun is pointed at their face. Mm-hmm. Simple things like that. Yeah. I mean, that's going to increase the quality of your pictures and how they look just immediately. Yep. Right off of the camera. But so. that's understanding how that light works with your subject and with your mm-hmm. camera. Um, last but not least is always having a safety. And what I mean by that, and we've talked about safety angles or second angles before, but... When you're a when you're a one man band, which Ryer and I both usually are, sometimes we've gotten to do some recent shoots together. But uh, most of the time, you're a one man band, especially if you self film yourself. Then you're definitely a one man band, and you're running camera, um, especially when you're running gunning and doing things that are moving and grooving type thing. Uh, even when you're setting up scenes, really anywhere. I mean, a safety angle can work for just about everything. Um, safety angle is literally. A second angle camera, that can be another FS7, that can be another GoPro, that can be an Osmo, that can be virtually any other camera that you're using set up stationary in a spot that's getting everything that you're doing in one long, 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 long clip. So mm-hmm. when you're running your big camera and you're getting B-roll shots and skies and leaves and trees and birds and turkeys and people talking, all those things, well, you've got this other camera that's running all around the background the whole time. So what we use that camera for is that safety to be able to cut to anytime we need to fill gaps. Mm-hmm. And there's some super really cool creative things that you can do with the safety angle. But that's what I t- well, that's what I tell people all the time is like using that safety or using that second camera on interviews or or to film a scene. How many times have we filmed interviews with someone and that second camera is the saving grace to make them look like a rock star? Because if we only had one angle, it would be a chopped up mess to make them not sound like they didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Mm-hmm. So if you run two cameras on something and you know what you're doing in editing, that's a little caveat, you can make anybody look like a rock star, like they never missed a beat, like they never had an um or an ah or a fumble or anything. You run two angles, sync up your audio, which we sync up our audio with both cameras. Like We'll either clap or snap our fingers. You line those two things up in your... Your timeline, boom, now you've got two camera angles. You cut back and forth. You cut out all the fat. You trim out all the unused stuff. You trim out all the fumbles. You put them together. That state, that safety camera, whether it's a GoPro, whether it's a second cam- camera angle, does that exact same thing. 
Mm-hmm. It's going to cover up all those imperfections in your shooting or in your situation. You can make, you can string a hunt out longer. You can make it shorter. You can time lapse that camera. You can, I mean, you name it. You can do whatever you want to with that camera. That safety is incredibly useful and important and super easy to do. It's just one little more, one little extra thing you got to take care of. One more card you got to take care of. One more card you got to dump. One more camera you got to charge. That's it. That's what that's what a safety is. So uh, I can't tell you how many times a safety angle has saved my butt doing something. You know, I need I need a shot to get me from here to here. Well, the safety angle got it. It got it live. You mm-hmm. know, and, and even and this is another thing. Sometimes we don't get our safety angle set up during a hunt. I'll set it up after and recreate the whole thing because mm-hmm. I can still use that. I mean, I can still, I can sit it down there, everybody get back in their spot, run that camera for three minutes, and now I've got my angle that I need. Mm-hmm. Three minutes is an etern- eternity in a video. Yeah. So, I mean, that those are my little my little caveats. You got anything to add to it? Mm-mm. I think, I think it just is being familiar with things. Yeah. I think it all comes down to that is well, be familiar with the tools that you use and uh, try to become as proficient with those tools as you can. I think it's constant exposure to those things mm-hmm. because the more you're exposed to the file types, the lighting, the computer, the uh, safety angle cameras, the more you expose your th- expose yourself to this, you'll figure out, the quickest and best and most efficient way to do things. And I think that's why, you know, when somebody comes in here and watches us edit, they're like, how are you doing that? You're so fast. You're this, that, and the other. It's like, you know how many times I've had to do this to get right here? Yeah. It's just like anything else. Just like watching somebody that's a lineman or, a, you know, you know, it doesn't matter what your job is. I guarantee you I can go to somebody that makes baseball gloves and be like in complete amazement. But if I do, if I were to do that every all day, every day, I'd be that good. Mm-hmm. You know, or I'd be that fast. You know, it's it's all in repetition. So don't get discouraged if things take you a little bit longer than they normally do. Or don't get discouraged if things take you longer to do than they than they do us. Um, everybody has their own process. Um, some people's processes are faster. Some are slower. Some are better. Um, but that's the thing is you've got to completely immerse yourself and then learn from other people. I'm constantly watching other people's stuff and, I mean, Ryer teaches me stuff in terms of shortcuts all the time. So uh, it, it's – and that's – all that does is improve us and make us faster. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that Q shortcuts you showed me, I mean, I've been using it all day cutting up interviews. Yeah, I've been using I would, F. Huh? And been you've using been, F. And you've been using the F? Yeah. yeah. I like that one. Yeah, it's a nice one. So um, – I think I think also, um, like you said, doing it is going to be the catalyst for a lot of learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, before we had the red, I had never touched red footage. Mm-hmm. I had never had any reason to learn about color grading red footage or proxy workflows for red footage. None of that because I didn't use it. So mm-hmm. I, why would I need to learn about that? Yeah. Um, and we got the red and now we have to start messing with red footage and you know, you pull it into your timeline and, uh, I'd color it and go, that doesn't look like how I want it to look. Mm. Uh, why doesn't it look like how I want it to look? And so that becomes a Google search, a YouTube search, a uh, let's try this, let's try that. Oh, 
now I've found this out. This is how this guy does it. This is maybe a different tool that I need. This is a different, um, you know, asset that I need to download, or this is the, the proper workflow for that. And that, that is what caused me to learn how to do that. It's the same thing with any piece of equipment, with any program, is you have to get in there and figure out what you don't know to, figure, to start learning those things. You have to get in there and go, oh, I want to do this. Uh, how do I do that? Yeah. And that just comes down to doing it, you know, going out and taking the videos, going out and taking the pictures, going out and using, not going out, just using the editing program, putting a video together, putting a picture together. Yeah. Uh, whatever it is that you're trying to do, you have to do it, and then you go, okay, this is what I know, and this is what I need to know. And what, you, and what you'll figure out is the more you don't know, or the more you think you know is the more that you know that you don't know. Because every time you learn something, there's another step. There's another step. There's another step. And think about Premiere. Think about how many functions are in Premiere that we're not using. A lot. A lot. And and there's probably a lot of them that are in there that will make us way more efficient. And one day we might learn them. And right now, we, I mean, like I said a million times, we're not the best editors. We're not the best producers. But we're pretty good at it. And we fake it till we make it. You know? But, uh. I know from where I started and where I am now has been a long, arduous journey. But, um, like, learning shortcuts, learning these couple little things. I mean, I can't imagine if I didn't understand Codex trying to do this job, walking in here and trying to do this. And say, hey, I've got an MXF, a CR2, and this, and this program says it's not going to open this, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you can't open that with that. It only works in this program, and that mm-hmm. that you're supposed to open in Lightroom. That that's for content browser. That's for this, and but once you know those things, it's easy, and it makes your li- it makes your life so much easier because otherwise you're gonna be beating your head up against the wall trying to figure out why won't this work. Mm-hmm. But so those are our um those are our tips, and then let me open my notes, and I'm gonna just recap them right here at the end for those of you that are listening. First is know your way around a computer. The second is understand different file types, codecs, and extensions. Number three is have a basic knowledge of graphic design. Number four, know how to use light. And when I say light, I mean natural light. So that's kind of the basics of understand how light works and how you can use it to your advantage. And then last but not least is always have a safety, which when I say safety, I mean safety angle. So that is, um, that's episode 89. Uh, We are still... I mean, I don't know what the heck's going to happen with all this COVID crap, but we're still planning on doing the camera class August 7th through 9th. We've got a couple guys signed up. If you would like to sign up, uh, email us at rednecktechpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're starting to do all these on YouTube, or we're going to try and do as many of these on YouTube as we can. So go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. Just search for Redneck Tech Podcast. And then, obviously, Instagram is at Redneck Tech Podcast. And then... There's way too many things to remember. Um, oh, like and subscribe and review the podcast. That would be much appreciated. And um, I think that's it, isn't it? I think so. All right, guys. Peace.